Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 64 for the week of November the 9th, 2018. What's happening, Adam? Oh, it's getting dark outside pretty early. Yes, it is, this my is friend. Now the time of year when you leave and you think, is it 8 o'clock already? No. Nope, it's just 5 o'clock and you're at work. It's 5 o'clock, but fall leaves are on the ground. You know, summer movie season is over. And we finally got the new anticipated title for the next Infinity War. No. No, we haven't. Oh, that's Not right. Yet. We have it. What was the promise? By end of summer, right? Yeah. I mean, we're now seven months away from it. And no title for Infinity War 2. No. And the next Marvel movie... If you did, well, counting into the Spider Verse or not, the next Marvel movie is is Captain Marvel. It's coming out in March. Okay. So, are you? Uh, do you have any juice? We, you know, we were laughing because we went to the movies tonight. But do you have any juice at all for, you know, this Infinity War title? Are you on bated breath waiting? Not really. Yeah, me either. <laughs> it's just the title. I mean, some people are getting themselves worked up over it, but. One rumor was Endgame, Avengers Endgame. I don't know that that's going to be the title. Yeah, that sounds like a Tom Clancy novel to me. There's people that have to know. I mean, <clears throat> they're making Lego toys. I mean, the logo is going to have to be going on these things that have been At designed. At some point, you would think, you know. They're hitting the factory lines, so yeah. I imagine they might reveal the Spider-Verse. But it's good to be back in the swing of things. We had a couple weeks off. We did a podcast last week, and we did a recap of Nightmares Film Festival <clears throat> Excuse me, Nightmares Film Festival. And, man, we've hit some movies. We've been going to the movies, you know. So <laughs> The last two nights we've been yes, living at the theater. I mean, we've been living at the theater. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of press screenings and and uh, stuff coming up. And so, man, it's just good to be in the fall season. It's crisp, cool air. And some pretty decent movies have been coming out. And so we've, we've been had a chance to see some cool stuff. And uh, life's pretty good, i got to tell you. I'm enjoying the fall film season so far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Disney announced their service today. We now have a name. It will be, drum roll, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Wow, that is so... I wonder how long their research team came... <laughs> you know, how long it took them to come up with Disney Plus. What else was it going to be? Disney Flicks? Uh, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Disney Streaming? Maybe. <laughs> We do know, too, they, they announced another Star Wars live-action show, which was actually a surprise. We already right. knew there was a Mandalorian show coming, which is set in the current prequel era. So with the Resistance and the First Order, will be about a Mandalorian bounty hunter. They now went ahead and announced that there's going to be a prequel series coming to Rogue One, focused on the character of Cassian Andor, who was the rebel spy. He's the owner of K2SO, who was a highlight of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. And it will be focusing on his days as a rebel spy Yep. before Rogue One. Cool. With the actor Diego Luna coming back to play him. Yeah, and we, I'm sure Pixar's <laughs> going to have some stuff for us there. And, and Marvel's doing <clears throat> these live-action miniseries. So, Adam, let me ask you this. What do you want, and I know what I want in a Disney monthly paid service, you know, streaming service, what do you want? Is is this hitting all the bells you want, or is there something else you want? I mean, I'm, I'm glad they have the new ongoing series. Um, that's usually a draw for me, because I don't right. know that I would necessarily subscribe if it was just a repository of their films, because I own a lot of them. So it's the Disney, the Star Wars, the Marvel stuff that's going to draw me in. So the, the ongoing stuff is interesting. They also picked up Nat Geo. Yeah. So there's yeah, a lot of be nice. documentaries and nature specials and things like that coming, too. Now, I guess I'm the exact opposite. 
I do have several of the Disney fe uh, feature films, but what I want, if I'm going to pay $10 a month, $15 a month for the Disney Plus streaming service, I want them to back the truck up and open up the vault and give me access to everything. I want the old classic movies. I want the I want the old 60s and 70s uh, corny comedies that I grew up with, like Herbie the Love Bug and, you know, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I, I, want, I want the whole vault opened and I want access to it. That's what I want. And that's what we don't know yet. If they've announced, if they're opening up the back catalog, I don't know. I mean, it seems reasonable, but I don't know that we'll get everything. Um, I don't think we're going to see Song of the <clears throat> South showing up on the Disney Probably Plus. Probably not, but you never know. So, yeah, it would be controversial to say the least. Or Briar Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, I'm not taking the bait, Adam. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I'm not going to go there with you. <laughs> but anyway, so what else has been happening? So Disney streaming service, anything else? We are not. We used to try to cover news, but when you only do a podcast once a week, it's not really. And, the, and that Disney Plus news broke while we were in the movie. I mean, that's yeah. like an hour old at this point. Uh, and the last thing is a Breaking Bad movie is underway. Um, it will be focused on the character of Jesse Pinkman following uh, what happened with him after the season, I'm sorry, the series finale of Breaking Bad. Yeah. So, so we don't know who else is in it. Uh, spoiler alert, Brian Cranston will not be in it. But unless we, there's a we're flashback. We're not trying or, to spoil anything from the Breaking Bad series, but it's a good chance he's not going to be in the movie. Yeah, he's busy. His <laughs> character is doing something else during yes, this era. Absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I, I'm excited. We have a, um, a couple great movies to, to review and to talk about tonight. Um, Queen has made it onto the podcast. Bohemian Rhapsody is going to be our first uh, film we talk about. And then, you know, uh, a smaller film, you know, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And so... Um, Interesting. I've got good thoughts about both of those, and I'm excited to see, get your thoughts on them. And uh, I think we ought to jump right in and crank up the volume and listen to a little Queen for just a minute. Sounds good. All right. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll be right back after the music. No one will play Queen. I didn't know his fancy dress for it. You look like an angry lizard. You've got to make an impression, darling. So, tell me. What makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars I meet? I'll tell you what it is, Mr. Reed. Yeah! We're four misfits who don't belong together. They're playing for other misfits. You're the outcasts right at the back of the room. We're pretty sure they don't belong either. We belong to them. So now the family name's not good enough for you. Changed it legally. Not looking back. We want to do something different. It's my money. I say, what goes? We can't simply repeat ourselves. No, we can do better. Freddie, could you tell us about the rumors concerning your sexuality? Queen, how long can that last? You don't make decisions for the band. All right, we are back, and that was a little sample of Queen. And the movie we're going to talk about now is Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, classic Queen song from the early 70s, about 74, 75, I think. And uh, 
or this could be better titled The Freddie Mercury Story? Yeah, it does seem to focus more on Freddie than the rest of the band, but what would you expect? I mean, when you say Queen, I imagine that's the image that pops in most people's heads to be Freddie right. Mercury. Yep, absolutely. But um so I I am an I am an unabashed Queen fan. I love the band. Um heartbroken when Freddie Mercury passed from complications to AIDS. Um very he was all that was good about to me in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, glam, rock, you know, style, showmanship. In an era, okay, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. In an era where everything is so manufactured, so technified, so light show oriented, so rehearsed and dance maneuver oriented, oh man, it's just so good to come back to Queen and that music and when bands were bands, four guys playing their hearts out and just a freak on the at lead vocals, just a show beyond a show, you know? Just love Queen. And so I went into Bohemian Rhapsody really excited to see this movie. Um, we saw it in IMAX, which was great, so we'd have great sound. Um, and I got to say, you know, biopics are tough, tough babies to pull off, you know? And I don't know if they really pulled it off here. Um, loved the music. Loved. Um, and we should note the music is actually Freddie Mercury. This right. wasn't Rami Malek, the lead. It was not him singing. Yeah. It was Freddie Mercury's vocals, which I think was the smart thing to do here because yeah. there's only one Freddie Mercury. And I think Rami Malek was great. I mean, I thought his portrayal of Freddie Mercury was excellent. He's kind of got the, that that just different look about him already, and then just a little prosthetic for the teeth, and he he had Freddie Mercury down, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, this is such. A, I think if you if you really like Queen as a band, you're going to like this because you're going to get a lot of the ballads being played. You're going to get a lot of music, um, recreations of their famous concerts, including Live Aid. Yeah, and they and when they played Wembley Stadium, as they really got big, and you know, Queen was one of the early bands to just blow the doors off of stadium attendance. I mean, I don't know if they still hold this, but. Uh, they did a show in Rio that at the time was the largest ever paid attendance for a concert. It was like 130-some thousand people came to this concert. And at the time, it was the largest concert in the history of music for paid attendance. That's probably been surpassed by some other band or something somewhere. But, uh, you know, their music was was rock and roll. It was, you know, And even them as—see, I guess this is what disappoints me about Bohemian Rhapsody— the band is so more interesting than this biopic was. Yeah. You know, you got uh, um, two of the band members. One of them was, was in medical school, going to become a dentist. The other guy was a brilliant astrophysicist that probably would, you know, was going to, would have gotten a doctorate and wrote a whole bunch of boring, you know, books about space that nobody would ever read, but just happened to be one of the greatest guitar players on the planet, you know, Um and then even even a Freddie Mercury, beginning as Farrakh, um, born and and raised in Zanzibar for a while, and and his whole history and back. I mean, there's just so much richness to these individual band members and their and their and their and their you know their 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 life stories that 
This is how did you how did you you called this a um, something about a Wikipedia story or something? I don't know. So I'm not trying to call you out on the podcast, no, no, no. but no. So in the past, I've said I have an issue with some biopics like this, where it's just an assembly of their greatest moments and their lowest lows, and it's just like a dramatized Wikipedia entry. It's as if they took Wikipedia and made that the script, because it's just the major events, like I said, and you're just kind of waiting for event to event. Yeah. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of other narratives going on. Whereas I I personally prefer some other biopics like Jackie where it focuses on more of a a sliver in time. You actually spend time with the characters and you may leave with a greater understanding of of who that was as a person. Right. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so I I guess for me personally, I I have to kind of um it was okay. It was enjoyable. The music was great, but there really is. There's not a lot of tension in this movie. There's here's the other thing that hurts the Queen story. It's the prototypical rock story, right? Yeah. Band struggles for a little bit, comes together, makes a hit. Start things start to fall out. Band members get married. The lead singer wants to go off on his own. Yeah. They break up, come back together. There's forces pulling them apart. There's nothing new here. If this was a fictional story, you never would have written it this way because it's not interesting. Right. And, you know, they could have explored sexuality a little bit more, I think. They could have explored um, his his ethnicity and his background, his culture, the tension with his family. Um, there's just so much to explore in a Freddie Mercury story that would be interesting and maybe compelling. And we just get little highlights of that on the way to, you know— or make it about, you know, I told you, I said, you know, it, make it about the making of the song Bohemian Rhapsody and make, and leave it in the 70s. Yeah. You know? The the writing and recording of Bohemian Rhapsody is the best 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. And even the Live Aid concert, which really is the seminal performance for Queen in their history as a band, 1985, Live Aid. And the Who's Who and even the Who were playing at Live Aid. I mean, the best bands in the world played there. And <clears throat> bar none, this is not just from a Queen fan here, bar none, experts will tell you, people will tell you that Queen blew the door off that show, literally just had that crowd in the palm of their hands and worked them like has never been seen before. And it just blew away everybody else that was there kind of thing, you know. Uh, and I think they tried to emulate that, but, you know, how do you, how do you, you can't copy Freddie Mercury, you know. I mean, Rami Malek did a good job and he had the look, but he wasn't Freddie Mercury, you know. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. And I'll give him credit here. In all the other stuff I've ever seen Rami do, he's always played kind of a loner, an outsider. He's never had to demonstrate charisma before. Right. And that's something I think he does pretty well here. His Freddy is at least magnetic. You could tell why people were drawn to him. So I think that's showing us a different range well, for him than we've seen. And to be honest with you, here we are again. The stuff shot in the 70s, he's much more charismatic. He's much more alluring. He's much more... Um, evocative by look and just, you know, there's an appeal that's there. And it's like when the 80s hit, you know, they tried to go, they tried to get into the disco scene that was going on in New York City at the time. They they they, they tried to do, 
you know, crazy little thing called love and tried to hit that kind of old rock vibe for a while. And they kind of, you know, just, you know, just had some had some bumps along the road, you know. Um, but the best parts of the movie really are the first like 20 minutes and then maybe the last 20 minutes of the movie. Then we get a whole hour and 15 minutes in the middle. The middle is pretty bad. It's it's, a, yeah. it's, it's dull. Once Bohemian Rhapsody has been recorded, the movie kind of takes a nosedive for a while. And does not really recover till the Live Aid and segment. And even Bohemian Rhapsody, they glossed over that whole making of that song. Yeah. I mean, we get about two minutes of it. And then they're in the studio and they're they're listening to the album and they're like, this will never work. Oh, yes, it will, you know. And the movie is not interested at all in the creative process. No, it is not. So they don't, they don't dwell on that. Now, one thing that's not very apparent, I was wondering if it would be going in, is that Brian Singer, the director, walked off this project. At some point during a production break, he left, did not come back. They hired another director to come in and finish it. So I don't know who filmed what, but I didn't yeah. feel like a disconnect in the movie. It all felt <clears throat> cohesive. There yeah. wasn't a clear point where it's going now, in a different direction or, or there's a different style or anything else. Now, we've seen two of these movies that feature bands that play to huge audiences. We saw A Star is Born yes. with a fictional band. And then we saw Queen, a real band, playing to a huge audience. To me, the crowd scenes were night and day different in A Star is Born and in Queen. There's a big difference between them. And the ones in A Star is Born are much better, just to be honest with Those you. Those are actual crowds because with Lady Gaga and some other things, they were sneaking into Coachella. They were sneaking into some other performances. So you're seeing a live crowd. This is all CG. Yeah, and and it's and you can tell it's CG. The Live Aid stuff was not all that convincing to me. No, it was bad. I mean, so. let's just be honest. So yeah, the CG was not great, but you're trying to recreate something that happened thirty some years ago. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's a little tougher than going out and shooting in a nice 4K camera at a huge venue already. Like Coachella, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, anyway. Um, I guess to wrap up my thoughts about Bohemian Rhapsody, I liked it. I loved the music. Um, that's only because I'm a big fan of Queen and their music. Um, I wish that the actual biopic itself would have been a little more compelling. Uh, some really good stuff in the beginning of this film, and uh, I liked the ending that pretty much ended with the Live Aid concert. Uh, that was great. But the middle is just a slog. It's really tough to get through. It's, it's pretty long and pretty flat. I guess I would say this. If you're a Queen fan, it might be worth going to see it in theater. See it big. See it loud. If you're just kind of interested in the movie, I don't see the harm in waiting for home video. It's not, really. If you got a good sound system, wait and see it at home. Or, man, if you can get into Dolby or IMAX, it would be worth seeing it then. Then you can check your Facebook or your emails in the middle section. <laughs> and get kicked out of the theater. Anyway. Not your home theater. I'm talking at home. Oh, in, That's in the your perk. home theater. Yes, absolutely. I would never tell anyone to pull their phone out in a real theater. No. That's sacrilegious. Right. Anyway, well, let's go wrap it up for Bohemian Rhapsody. When we come back, we're going to take a look at a an inspired true story and uh, Melissa McCarthy playing a character that I would not ever pegged her for, um, but doing a great job. Can you ever forgive me? Let's take a listen in to the movie, and then we'll be right back. Jack Hawk. Last time I saw you, thank you, we were both pleasantly pissed at some horrible book party. Am I right? It's slowly 
flooding back to me. You're friends with, um, Julia somewhere. Steinberg? Yeah. She's not an agent anymore. She died. She did? Jesus, that's young. Maybe she didn't die. Maybe she just moved back to the suburbs. I was confused there, too. No, that's right. She got married and had twins. Better to have died. Indeed. I've just come from having my teeth bleached. How do they look? Why would you do that? Oh, teeth are a dead giveaway. Okay. Do I buy you a drink? Even though you're the posh writer. Thank you. Craigie, top her up. All right, we are back, and now we're going to be discussing Can You Ever Forgive Me? This movie is based on an autobiography of the same name, written by the novelist Lee Israel, who is portrayed by Melissa McCarthy in this movie. So this, at its core, I would say is kind of an odd couple pairing. There's a lot of other stuff going on, because the meat of the story is that she's a failed author at this point. Right. Her books aren't selling, and she's found a scam where there is an interest in collectors among letters, letters written by authors. So she starts forging letters and selling them yep. and kind of copying artist style and things like that. But the real meat of the movie for me was the relationship between her new friend, uh, Jack Hawk, another drunk. She's got a drinking another problem writer. in this movie. Yep. I don't know that he's a writer. He went to a party. Um, I think he came across to me as another writer in my viewing, like, you know, I I, th- I thought she even referred to it as one point, what have you written lately or something as well, but maybe not. Yeah, so Jack Hawk is then played by Richard Grant, and he kind of steals the whole movie. He's, he's a great. Very, he's absolutely fabulous in the movie. Yeah, he's an interesting character, and he helps buoy her up because her Lee Israel is pretty darn dislikable. Oh, yeah. She's got her social cue issues. She's mean. She doesn't understand why she's not popular. She kind of has an enormous sense of entitlement yep. that her books should sell. And she pushes everyone away. She's a loner <clears throat> by choice. Right. Well, I, you know, it's a very interesting, I don't know if compelling is the right word, but it's a very interesting story. You know, is she the stereotype of the, uh, you know, a lot of writers are introverts and mm-hmm. they're not people, you know, they don't want to be around people. They like to be off by themselves. Um, and, you know, they make the smart choice of, of not pegging her down, but of putting her probably on the spectrum. Right. You know, with some of her issues. Yeah, including no, absolutely. Her, her and, home. And yeah. And, you like know, that. at one point there's a comparison to her and Tom Clancy. And she's just like, he's a big sellout. And I, why would anybody ever read that trash and all this stuff? And, and you know, how come I'm not as popular as Tom Clancy? And she tells him, well, he works at it. He yes. goes... He signs books. He goes on TV. He's nice to people. You know, it, it's, he's courteous when you speak to him, you know? And, um, yeah, she's very off putting in this character. She, she challenges people and just mean. You don't like her. There's nothing yeah. likable about her whatsoever. But, but beyond that, in exterior is maybe a woman who's never been really comfortable in her own skin, you know? Mm-hmm. Has, maybe there's a lot of insecurities there. I, 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 you know, a lot of people, male or female, and it's not a gender thing at all. A lot of people have that front because they're just not. They don't like who they are, you right. know. Um, but it's interesting, you know. She's very creative, and she she almost channels a sense of what these people are like, and she creates stories and narratives. And I got to thinking as I was watching this movie, it would have almost been good 
if she'd have done a work of fiction, fictional letters from these people, because they were people that got them were very interested. They were very interesting to read, you know. And that's the funny thing about her character. She'd rather put in all this time and work and effort in selling these forgeries than, than just writing a book or, yeah. or getting a real job or anything else. I mean, this was her only choice. And it, it, at first it was just to help out a sick cat. But then she likes it and she continues doing it. I think she's liking the feedback she's getting because she's an author that no one read. But she can hand this little letter to a collector and then see the instant feedback. They're happy. They're right. excited. They think this is a legit <clears throat> letter that's kind of funny from an author they appreciate. Yeah. So, Or the, an actress or something. The movie yeah. was set in the early 90s, I think, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Yeah, like 91, So 92. it's pre-social media. There's, she's <clears throat> just getting this feedback that she's never seen before, and it's right. instant. And I think that's addicting to her. Yeah. And, you know, and she has an opportunity for a real relationship. There, there's a young lady of a mm-hmm. bookstore that really is likes her work and is interested in her as a person. And she just can't, she can't process that somebody would like her, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, very complex story. I, I not, you know, I, I would have never thought, I, I haven't seen Melissa McCarthy in a lot, but it's all, pretty much all been very comedic and deadpan and, you know, yeah. nothing like this whatsoever, you know? So I am impressed that she was able to make that switch over but I gotta say, Richard Grant that played Jack Hawk, he stole the show. He was absolutely excellent, funny, and I was really interested in his story almost as much as her story. You know? Yeah, they're such a good odd couple pairing that they really make the movie work. Without that, it would not be anywhere near as interesting. It seemed like the movie, and this is true to real life as well, though. The book, the same name. Can you ever forgive me? She yes. wrote after she was convicted. She was on house probation for six months, and then. Um, she was on house arrest for six months, probation for five years. And it almost seemed like the movie just kind of, it just wrapped everything up way too neat, you know, in some ways. And maybe that's how it was in real life. But uh, they realized this is a woman that it does no good to put in the prison system, you know. Yeah. But let's house arrest her, make her get a job, make her do the community service. and The then, reparations to her victims. Yes. And then during this time, she writes this biography about... This whole her whole her life. criminal enterprise, yeah, and it becomes a, a bestseller on the New yep. York Times list. And then, uh, posthumously, after she she's passed away in 2014, they end up making a feature film about this lady. So, yeah, um, that's kind of that was kind of neat. That's kind of nice that that happened for her. But um, I liked it. You know, I think I rated it three three and a half out of five. Um, it, you know, just because I thought the performances were solid. Um, how about you, Adam? What your your thoughts? Yeah, it's enjoyable. Um, rating wise, I'm I'm right there with you. And come award season, I would not be surprised to see either Melissa McCarthy get a nomination for that or um, Richard Grant. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm with you there. So, anyway, I'd recommend it if you're out date night or something, or you're out just you know, uh, it would be worth seeing. But it also it's one of those movies that. Again, it doesn't have to be seen on a big screen. And it's not going to be in theaters much longer. Yeah. This this rollout, it opened limited at the beginning of October. Or and no, this wasn't an Amazon movie as well, right? No, Suspiria was. Oh, that's right. Okay. I don't know that this one was. No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. But I was just saying it probably will pop up on Amazon or Netflix yeah, or it'll iTunes, be, iTunes it'll be or somewhere the, pretty fast. The home video market. Yeah, so if you get a chance, it, it would be worth watching. I think so, so. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Both of us, positive on it. We enjoyed it. Um, 
And when we come back, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look ahead to what's coming down the pipe. We are um, fastly approaching Thanksgiving and the holiday season, and a lot of good movies are coming out. Um, Tonight, a lot of trailers for there's some really interesting science fiction and fantasy coming out in the next couple months that that either will be tremendous flops or maybe huge hits. We don't know. But uh, as a person who loves science fiction and fantasy, I'm intrigued and looking forward to seeing them. And maybe we'll mention a couple of those after the break. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back. We are back, and this is our coming attractions segment of the podcast as we wrap up here on this episode. So, Adam, what do we have to look forward to in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week we will be seeing uh, at a press screening Fantastic Beast 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. We also have a screening of Creed 2 coming up not yep. too distant from then. Those are the bigger movies for November. And on the podcast front, Roger and I have now both seen uh, the new Halloween and the new Suspiria. And those are tricky movies to review because you need to get into spoiler territory to really discuss your thoughts. So we're going to actually do spoiler casts for both of those titles. There's a lot to talk about in Suspiria. So look for that episode in the not-too-distant future. Yep. And uh, more down the pipe as well, too. Um, Alita is going to be interesting. The the Warrior Angel. That has been bumped out of December till February. Oh, they pushed it back. Mm -hmm. Well, that stinks. And then um, the other one that we saw. Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. That's a book series, right? Yes. Interesting concept. Um, I'm just a sucker for those sci-fi. Young adult. Young adult, whatever they are. I'm just a sucker for those kind of stories. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to that as well, too. Man, so much coming down the pipe. But uh, next podcast will be Fantastic Beasts 2. so I'm very excited to see it, and uh, one one of our uh, early uh, interviews on this podcast is in that movie, right? Yeah, David Sakurai. So yeah. he is, we don't know his character name, but I know he's one of the villains in Fantastic Beasts 2. Maybe we ought to call all David up and say, hey, you want to come back on the podcast now that you're doing a big movie? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyway, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the podcast. How can folks find us on the interwebs, Adam? Uh, The best place, as always, is Facebook. If you go to facebook.com backslash filmcoterie, you'll find us. Just hit like and follow and send us some comments. Sounds great. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle. It is at filmcoterie on both services. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. We'll see you next time.